Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Trot, a weekly inspiratedutainment podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Yo, my family, Wagwan. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 35 of Talk Truth. You don't know already, it is your boy Mario Evan. Um, we have five more episodes to go for this season. And it's been an interesting time for me because as much as I love to be here, as you know, there is a part of me that's also craving for the break, if you want me to be honest. And that's interesting because the connections I, I have on this show are amazing. But um, I kind of feel like I want a break in the quiet. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are getting a lot more time to reflect in the pandemic. While I've just been hustling and grinding just the same. So I um, look forward to taking that break again. To of course come back and bring back wonderful things for you in season three but hopefully it's still quiet when i take my break so that <laughs> i can um reflect a bit more but today's episode is an interesting one and i am happy i had the honor to have fabian thomas be my guest and he is a jamaican man but he wears many hats and he's going to tell us everything that he does, but he is a multi-potentialite as well, ranging from a creative to so many other things. And we speak about masculinity, you know, a topic that I feel many have discussed, but as well, many sweep underneath the rug. And especially in the context of being black and being from the Caribbean, there are also other specific and really unique dynamics to to being a male and and the element or quality of masculinity that many of us men uh, feel tied to and tied to living up to. And we have a pretty candid discussion about that. So stay tuned, listen to Fabian and I go through the punches and, and talk about so many different aspects of masculinity. Um, it was a really, really cool conversation, guys. Again, I thank you for the support. You know, I want you to subscribe to this podcast on your whatever you're listening to it on, but preferably on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen, and share it with friends. Um, a lot of the success of the podcast depends on you really enjoying it and taking screenshots and reposting it. And, you know, if it really does connect with you, leave a comment. Um, tell somebody about it. Share the link. It really matters. And I appreciate it every time you do it. So let's talk about masculinity with Fabian Thomas. Guys, welcome to our next episode of Talk Truth. And I am excited today because I have with me a friend who goes by the name of Fabian Thomas. And you know, every week I've been saying it's multi-potentialites unite because everybody I know do, they're Jamaicans, they do 50 million things <laughs> and they do them well too. Fabian, welcome to Talk Truth. Please introduce yourself. Greetings and salutations, Mario. Greetings and salutations. And I'm true, you know, we are... The, the nation of hustlers and jack of jack of all trailers. I right. think it's in our DNA. I think it's in it our is. DNA. It's tied to our history. 
it's tied to you know survival it's and so jamaicans we are really remarkably adept at this thing of you meet somebody in one instance and then you say you do you do you do what as well or something happens sometimes it's an emergency and you see the right. person suddenly flying to action you're like how oh, you know and they say, oh yeah this other side i do this part-time it's a remarkable thing that we have that i think it's, it's part of our brand and who we are yeah it is it is and we make jokes about it but usually a jamaican can do multiple things and do them at a level that can sustain them <laughs> and, here's, and here's the reality mario that's an important life skill and even in the time that we're in now with covid19 it's proving that to us Make me being <laughs> multi-skilled and multi-leveled is and here's one of the things i talk about as a teacher mentor trainer as well with students and adults and people that i coach it's important a lot of people the main job they have is not the job they love it's not their passion Right, they're good at it. Yeah, it make the money. Right. The one that makes the most money. But when you ask them what them, I, I like to say, in an ideal world, what would you be doing? Half, at least half of the time, it's not the job they're in now. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. not even in the industry they're in now, but somewhere in their brain, something has said, "Oh, you can't make money off that," or "I'm not good enough," or "This is the low hanging fruits." You know, this one can make money easy. So, it's a real part of our our culture and who we are. Well, you know, you just reminded me a while ago why I could have brought you on the show to talk to you about anything. But um, strange enough, Fabian, I decided that we would discuss masculinity and yes. in, in a general context, but as Jamaican men too, um, from the Jamaican context. Um, Fabian, why should my viewers feel like you're qualified to speak about this? Tell them about some of the things that you do. Wow, let me tell you something. Here's the thing that I've, I find, Maria. You probably, Apart from being a man. <laughs> right? And you will probably find this, but and, and even as you get older, that mm-hmm. sometimes we even forget the amount of things we've done in our life. Yes. And sometimes Absolutely. somebody else has to say to you, like my HO, my current HOD now, Sandy Stanley and I, she keeps saying to us, you are experts in this field. Act like it. Yeah. Write articles, yeah. write papers, submit abstracts. She said, Fabian, you've been teaching this course on Bob Marley for five years. You've built the course. You are now a Bob Marley expert. <laughs> and it's really something you kind of pull back so even with my students i say go back but start your resume start your cv so I let's say 25 yeah. odd years ago it's so funny hiv was the the biggest health pandemic that the, the, this generation right. had seen it and just I, wasn't uh, and um, I was, it was an airborne one thank you and i was knee deep um chest high in it working mm-hmm. in the field hiv forced us to have some conversations about gender, sexuality, masculinity, being a woman, feminine, all that we would not have had. And it right. was an amazing life lesson. It changed my life completely. Mm-hmm. Um, it also is when I found out that I was a facilitator in my core, at my being, that training and facilitation is part of why I'm here. HIV gave me that opportunity, but mm-hmm. also now forced me to learn and have these conversations about what it means to be a man, to be a woman, what does sex and self-identity mean? And that's followed me through my life as a teacher, mentor, coach, and as a man myself. Right. You know, it has it is it has played into all aspects of my life and those conversations. And it probably has had to force you. I find that those moments force you to look into yourself as well and Very and much even so. figure out whatever stuff you and how that, you view things. How you here, view things. And here's a powerful thing, Mario, and I'm glad you said that because a lot of times people in 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 power or responsibility or authority do not allow themselves time to self-assess. And it's so important. Yeah. What am I learning from this journey? Even though I'm the lead, the teacher, 
the lead or the manager what am i learning how am i allowing myself to be vulnerable and open to learning and going from this as opposed to feeling oh i'm fixing people <laughs> well you know usually don't realize until after so the podcast for me did that i came in thinking i was creating a platform for people to express their stories which i do but it was always a bigger learning experience for me on the other end of the episode. Every single one. And that's, and that's, that's for me, that's a beautiful life lesson. It's that thing it's of mind-blowing. the renaissance, the renaissance is for, the resonance is for us, the, the doers, if you allow yourself to be open to that. And as you said, some people based on their life journey, it come mm-hmm. later. It lick them later. Right. Yeah. Right. So what would you say you are, uh, if, how would you summarize your titles in terms of the, the, the different functions um, professionally? Wow. Um, I'm creative. You, yeah, mean, you, you mean, were to list them out. Lord Jesus. And sometimes it's, I've, I've noticed that. Maybe you can start from the things Maybe you can start from the things that probably tie into this discussion first. Right. And, and, then, and then string down to so the what I, what I found is that in, 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 on my social media platforms, I speak them up yeah. because I say, you can't put all of this. So for this conversation, I'd say um, social worker. Yeah. Trainer, facilitator mentor case manager those yes, the, yes. That, those work that i've done and, and the other manager from like a hiv perspective yes and let me okay. tell you something mario and i say this and you will get this as as a, as a medical professional as well mm-hmm. i i say it and i continue to say one of the biggest mistakes we made in jamaica because we were always ahead of the game we mm-hmm. stopped doing case management and it went more to a workshop and giving people stipend-driven program. Because when we were doing... management we, is, is more one-on-one, right? And you were also then, now uh, it was multi-level. So I knew your doctor. I knew mm-hmm. your nutritionist. We all... There was a circle of care where we know... What's happened later is people were going to the same place for the same services sometimes, telling different stories... Um, to, and again, the case management model I learned to, in New York when I got thrown into the deep end in working as an HIV um, worker in, in New York, of it's a holistic view of the of the client. So mm-hmm. I know your landlord. I'm helping you get housing. I'm helping you stay in the medication. I know you. Need, I, we are. We all have permission from you to talk to each other. It created better accountability and much better. And... I sometimes we help people tell their family, you know, because they now said to you, "I'm giving you permission." Or I want you to be in the house when I tell my family I'm HIV positive. Or when I disclose my sexuality. But we move from a kind of piecemeal, a lot of workshop-driven stuff, which was important. But for a lot of the clients, it became about the stipend, the money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they were telling different stories in different spaces. And they get lost in the system. And then the purpose of everything is is, is changed. Quite so. And then the other side of what I do, as you said, is heavily performing related. So I'm an artistic director director writer poet um you know i'm somebody with ambitions of singing (laughs) (laughs) writer um yeah so that's that that's i think that's a full hundred of who i am right i totally can appreciate this all right i think a good segue would be um to read a definition this is from the oxford dictionary of masculinity and it says qualities or attributes regarded as characteristic of men Yes. Um, and they list a few handsome, muscled, driven. Um, he's a prime example of masculinity. No, you see, um, it, tell it, me how you feel about this. Even the agree? dictionary one tell you where the problems are. Yeah, talk to me about because it. Because suppose, suppose, suppose the man not handsome. Suppose him not muscular. 
Right. Suppose so, he's not driven. He's not driven. So, so even in the where you would expect more generic, less subjective explanations like the dictionary, the gendered yeah. lens is applied. And it's interesting that, that two out of those three examples were physical attributes. There you go. There you go. And driven. So if you, if you don't have no drive, so this then is where the coming. challenge happens, especially, I'm going to say, especially a lot for men, mm-hmm. because it's so prescriptive. So the yeah. real, the idea of what a real man is and bad man do this and thugs not do this. And if you do this, you're this. And so there's just a lot of stuff predefining you. And not not to to change the the lens, but wouldn't you say it's the same for women as well? That there's a construct for femininity as well. It is, but I find women get to play a little more. Right. So women have a little bit more freedom within, within a, a little you, way. Mind you, someone that leeway is also very sexist and patriarchal. Right. <laughs> but right, there's a right, there's right. a leeway, which is which is the, which is why gender work is so interesting and right. interrelated because sometimes it contradicts itself. Because it's weird, like some of the leeway women have is because it's men, it's men's sexist lens that says, oh, yeah, you know, you can do this because somehow it either gives me pleasure or it's non-threatening to me. Right, <laughs> right. That's interesting. I'm, and I'm going to go even further to say that I think that leeway may vary depending on what culture they're coming from. Very much so. Because I'm sure, I'm sure some women in other cultures would disagree. Quite that. so. But I think yes. on, in, the West, in the Western world, I do feel... Like women may have some more leeway in terms of their expression. <laughs> yes, yes. Yet, yet they are restricted in other regards. Quite so. And that's the other thing but, that right, this so, kind of work has taught me, Mario, is the importance of not making blanket statements. Right, right. Everything has to be very because sometimes, with... sometimes we because it's our reality. We say, "Oh yeah, everybody or all of," and I said, "No." You know, even if you have yeah, no. ten clients or ten friends who do this, it don't mean everybody does it. Or everybody right, who live right. here, or everybody who look like this, yeah. Well, interesting. I right, well to bring it back to the men, and I mean, I like that you brought up Jamaican references, thugs and badman, mm-hmm. because that is kind of more relevant to our space. Yes. That um, as a Jamaican man, you are raised to be tough, and I think I would go as far as to say a black man, but I mean, definitely Jamaica. You yes. you grew up and I'm say man for the days mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be a sissy you're supposed mm-hmm. to play sports mm-hmm. there are just so many of them that are driven into you from you come out of the womb you must yes yes <laughs> you know it's it's interesting um I'm, I'm i'm grateful for my experience in terms of with my father because i feel like he was more an example of masculinity right. than a for than a forced you know ah. than it was forceful for us so he didn't necessarily prescribe write down or dictate to us what we were to be like as men. I think he just was a good man and we just saw that and we just used him as an example, which I loved. And so I'm grateful the, for that. And that's the important thing, Mario. It is the example. It is the role right. modeling. It is the seeing it around you. And so this is where I think we have some challenges in Jamaica. Right. Is that there are young men who are seeing men around them and fathers who are present or uncles who are not necessarily fitting into the, the, the prescribed stereotype. Right, And so, right. but some of these boys, so some boys are almost, they have split personality because they are one type of person in one setting and mm-hmm. somebody else in another. It's the mask. And it's mm-hmm. a major thing we have in Jamaica. And a colleague of mine said to me, well, but Fabian, we have to be careful 
because in a lot of species, these young men or these boys need these masks or they'll get eaten alive. I like that you say that because even in our conversation, we, when I spoke to Tammy in, in the beginning of this season, oh, Tammy. We were ta- Tammy, yeah, we were talking about identifying your truth or owning your truth. Mm-hmm. And you know, we were saying that you should be honest. But then my flip side was that we spoke about the mask and I was saying, but Tammy, the mask can be protective. Yes. Because the mask, even though some people might look at it as hypocrisy, that same mask is what prevents you from Sometimes, dying, hey, from, thank you. <laughs> from being killed. And, <laughs> and, that's, and, and that's why it's so important, Mario, that we, you, know, you know, we're woefully lacking in this. Yeah. Mental mental health support and support and counseling that's, that allows people that you, so you don't get lost in the mask. That you don't yeah. lose your truth because you're hiding so much. Because you know, sometimes when you when you hide for so long and create this alter ego, mm-hmm. the alter ego takes over. The other personality takes over. You forget. It gets very murky around. Not even sure what the yeah, who the there real person is anymore. And so it's really important to have spaces where young men and boys and anybody can talk about and acknowledge when I'm in this setting and this setting and this setting. I'm wearing a mask that's protecting me, that's keeping me safe. But this is not who I am. This is right. who I am. That, that's important. So it's somewhere between own, owning who you are and then having this code switch or this mask that you can utilize if you need protection. Yes. But, here, you, don't, but you, don't become, you don't become the mask. There you go. Because here's mm-hmm. the thing that always, um, I always think of, Mario, that gives me chills and makes my stomach churn was the reality for our ancestors of slavery. Mm-hmm. And especially when you were working in the big house. Right. And cooking their food. And the raising their children. Mm-hmm. And smiling. And being in the living room when they were talking about you like you were less than dirt. But smiling. Right, right. And right, I thought right. this must have been the definition of insanity. This world of existing as chattel as mask, as empty vessel, when your husband is being beaten till his back is bleeding in the field. So as black right. people, as you mentioned, we know the mask. There's a, there's right. a, there's a poem that um, Paul Lawrence Dunbar wrote that's, that's in my, my group, Tribes and Kofa's repertoire. We wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. You know, this debt we pay to human guile from torn and bleeding hearts, we smile and mouth with myriad subtleties. So black people have from very early on learned the importance of the mask. Of the mask, yeah. And it, 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 it um translates into a lot of how we express ourselves now, but and, and in both ways, um, in terms of projecting that mask more. Very much also so. the anger and the animosity and the rebellion. Very much so. Because <laughs> I don't even know recently and I, I went on on social media and supported him. Conscience. Okay, so I'm not a right. fan of conscience. Which one are the topics now? So when he, when he had the, the, the I'm going to call it the meltdown recently, I guess some, some person, some marriage or relational issue. Relationship thing, yes. right? That he posted, right? And he posted this very long, raw rant. Which created an imagery that him and his wife were um, breaking up. But in the end, she, they, they weren't. She, because she, re, she rebutted to say that this wasn't. Which was, break up. which was interesting. So again, so here's what it did for me. Oh, we, but we're talking about, yeah, go ahead. I said, because I said, and I, I prefaced my comments on social media by saying, I have serious issues with conscience as an artist. Mm. Um, I think he's brilliant. I think he's talented. And the musicality, the production is awesome. 
But he mm-hmm. has the commitment to carelessness. He's decided that the conscious thing now work and now sell, which is fine. I right. said, but this very emotional, very vulnerable rant online, and also the way people were coming at him, and I'm like, make the youth thrive. If he needs to spill him guts right now, make him do that. We're not in it. We don't know the truth of it. But this this very real and raw emotional, you know, up up upheaval on online. I said, let's just treat it with some grace and some respect. Well, this is the tricky part, Fabian, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. The online space is such is one that you, yes. you really aren't certain how real things are sometimes, right? And but alright, assuming it was real, I'd agree with you. I think he's quite articulate. He's a smart guy, right? And um, what he expresses is he tends to have very raw expressions on social right. media, and but, he's like that. He's like candid. When she rebutted it, I even then I thought, okay, so at very bottom, this is probably could be a mental health issue. Could be, a, yeah. could be a but something triggered this that is that is usually for men not allowed you don't right. sound triggered out the, like that you don't the outpouring yeah the outpour. i remember when vegas when vegas had that <laughs> several <laughs> met, met down the interview just bawling and you people just like what, 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 what is wrong with this and this is and this what him with vegas was particularly powerful is in a context when i'm sure vegas is no angel but right. even, even men who give their women their or their partner bond repeatedly can't take bond. Right. And even in that, we've had you know, the killings and murders in Jamaica because something about this brand of Jamaican masculinity where I get to do and say whatever I want to you and you belong to me and you need to do what I tell you. And if you don't, I'm either going to physically abuse you or kill you or kill our children probably. And then kill themselves sometimes. And then kill themselves. Because the of this lack of the emotional intelligence and the emotional vocabulary to express pain or but to I acknowledge love, that I'm in pain. I love that we ended up here because we tie right back to again mental mm-hmm. health and masculinity. Yes. So so um do you feel like a lot of this um these expressions are just unhealthy ways of um not being able in other words, what am I trying to say is that to be a man is X. <laughs> and anything that goes against me being X, right. I have to counter it with Y. There you go. And that's the challenge. It's this so the binary. issue is that we want to do these things, right? We don't necessarily want to do these things, but I have to prove it's, myself. Thank you. It's the binary. And a lot of our boys, mm-hmm. I'm going to say the majority of our boys are stuck in that matrix. And when I do work with young men and boys and youth with mentor, it comes out really powerfully. There, How do they it's express? cold. Let me tell you, there is a lot. So here's the thing: our children are in trauma. Mm-hmm. Jamaica in trauma, but we are going like R- that. R- recurrent, recurrent trauma, you know? yes. repeated trauma. Mario, when you deal with these kids from basic school upward, mm-hmm. the level of aggression, the violence, yeah. the acting yeah. out, they can't sit still, they can't concentrate, the thick, the unkind things they say to each other on a whim. Comfortably, yeah. Comfortably, and when disturbing. you say why is it is disturbing, and the and, and I'm talking about from five years old upward. When you get to some of the older ages, and I find it's even put with the younger ones to create spaces for dialogue and conversation that may not look like me talking at you. We might be using and we need this. I gather there's maybe two trained drama therapists in Jamaica. 
right. one of whom is a good sister of mine. We yeah. need to be using art therapy, music therapy, drama therapy, so people can draw out, act out, sing out, as opposed to sitting and talking. For some people, that's hard. But when you do right. a game or an activity, and then you process it, as opposed to affixing you, which is why a lot of, you know, in Jamaica, we're not taught to sit and talk things out. We're getting better at it. But a lot of times, people who are supposed to be protecting people, people don't trust. Because, yeah. You know, so people want an alternative route of expression you. because because talking already tied to informal culture. Aye, and you. and then too outside of informal culture, there is um we're just a creative people. So I think thank using you. the arts is just a great way to get across to, and to the so youth. important. Well, it's funny, there's some psychological things that I've seen. When I was in medical school, we had an experiment to do where the class was told to draw like a tree with a root. Mm -hmm. And the clinical psychologist would then walk around and look at the trees. Mm -hmm. But apparently certain things signified certain things. I don't know how accurate these studies are. I don't remember mm -hmm. what numbers are. But like if you drew a tree and it had a big root and you drew the hole in it. Like I always link this hole to like something you'd see on um, Winnie the Pooh. Mm -hmm. Apparently, that hole signified that you were abused, or, cold, or it signified or some, so, yeah, that yes. you were possibly exposed yeah, to man. some abuse. And it's they had many other trees in the textbooks that kind of show that these kids would draw these holes and, in the trees. There's studies that show and prove this. Like, so let's say you you ask children to draw a picture of their home or their family, right? And the mother is never in the picture. Ah, right, right, That's right, right. Accidental. It's a subconscious representation of what the unit or looks like. Or if the father is always scowling in the picture, that's not accidental. Right. This is so how the child true. is perceiving this person. Mm -hmm. And then that's where you identify it, because you may not yeah. have it up before. And then sometimes even when I do coaching with couples, mm -hmm. it's a really powerful thing when you get couples to either to act as each other. Yeah. Because they portray their partner the way they see them and hear them. And nine times out of ten, it's an exaggerated, pointed, um, you know, caricature. <laughs> but it tells you how oh, they perceive know. their partner. So, even, right. you, know, you know, the Charlie Brown cartoon, with all the other stuff like that. <laughs> right. That's all you hear. That's all you the child hears. That's all the child hears. That's what you're saying, but that's what the child is hearing. So, so uh, that kind of therapy, art, those kind of therapies, you know, people are writing songs and poems. You know, I worked in a school as a young man who was suicidal. And yeah. when, how one of his friends got me to help him, and I just want to pause right now and hope that he's alive and healthier. Yes. Wherever yes, you are, wherever you are, I speak it and hope that you have healed. Uh -huh. She brought me some of his poetry. And let's say she brought me 10 pages of poetry. Mario, after the fourth page, I had to put it down. It's heavy. Heavy. Mm. I mean, I talk about gargoyle and wing things coming and rending his flesh and da 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 Dark. And his and and even though and he was cutting himself, you know, he was even though he was having these outwardly negative things, I am so sure that writing that poetry kept him alive and kept him a little saner because he was getting right. it out. Right. He was putting right. it out on paper. And he had to hide because he didn't want anybody. So he had shared it with her and then she said to him, boy, I really think some other people need to see this. And, and, yeah, like, no. she and then, really she, trying and to then she said, can I show it to Mr. Thomas? And he said, yes. And I didn't know him because I didn't teach him. But I he heard of him. And she said, yes. And that's how I got to meet him and now have one-on-ones with him and thing, 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 thing. And he needed help. And I said to him, I said, 
I'm going to be straight up with you. You need more help than I can give you. Where you are in this thing that you're wrestling with, this is bigger than me. <laughs> you know, I want to come back to some more of the negative things before we get to the positive things. But yeah. I wanted to ask you, where do you find this, this strength and fortitude to continue to um, help? What drives you? Boy, I think what, it, what drives you and keeps you up? Because it can be heavy. I'm a doctor, yes, so I deal with yes. a lot of expressions of yes. problems and emotions. And sometimes it's a lot you have to detach. What keeps you going? You hear, here's one of the things I firmly believe, Mario. Um, what is feel cannot be unfeel. Mm-hmm. And when we've co- all of us come to do our work, or some of us have come to do many works, and I think whether you want to call it Holy Spirit, Ancestors, Mother, Father, God, Jarastafari, Yahweh, any of the names, I think if we get sent and we are brought here to do our work, Spirit going to give us what we need to push through. Even when it weighs us down, even when we get right. tired, even when we're going to con and ball, you're gonna if it's really for you, you're gonna come back to it. But that's why self care and care for caregivers is crucial. Right. So I I try to I'm I ball me at the Sometimes. top of a pin. <laughs> right. The commercial so allow, commercial allow, the ball. You allow your emotions to flow through you, you don't block them. Exactly. And here's what happens sometimes, and I say this to people all the time, and I say this to boys and young men. So let's say I'm watching a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And ostensibly I start crying because of something in the movie. Mm-hmm. But long after the scene done or the movie done, Miss Tilabal, <laughs> I'm crying out something else. And I let myself cry till me done. So I always tell people, stop saying to people, stop crying now. Or stop asking but, boys where you cry for. Make them cry. But cry, crying is counter to, to masculinity. Thank so when you. did when did you actually embrace that ability to tap into that? Because you have to be comfortable enough to do it. I think I I just always did. I just did you not let did? people mm-hmm. stop me. And even when they laughed and found it strange, I just it was I just knew this is who I am. Yeah. Well, the sad part is that some of these um ideals of masculinity get burnt into us. I mean, I don't. I'm not afraid to cry now. And I'm like you, if I see something in a movie that makes me cry, I cry. But at the same time, I don't cry a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it still ties to my masculinity in yeah. terms of crying is a sign of weakness. Yes. But, but I don't know if it ties into it so much as me being a man. I think it's just me being strong. Yes. <laughs> so, and, but that may tie into me being a man too. Well, but I feel in my personality type, yeah. I prefer not to cry yes. over everything. Mario, I was a ball in Panama and I play in one time. <laughs> In a, in, a, in a plane, plane or in a plane? On a plane to England, oh, wow. to London. <laughs> yeah. So it was a long flight. Right. And there's certain movies that I know, you know, if you can avoid watching them in public, because if you're, if you're going, Color you're Purple, going which is my favorite movie of all time. Right. Color Purple, I, I fall out at several different places, but there's also <laughs> a movie called Pay Forward. Right. That's Will Smith, right? No, man. Pay Forward is Haley Joe Osmith and. Um, Helen, Helen, something that's cool. I saw it. It's, it's, an, it's an excellent movie. Yeah, I Let saw me tell you something. I, mean, I, mean, no, no. I know, I know there's a scene that I, but we say, oh no, man, they have to find me. Go watch it. And and Mario, a ball, a ball, a ball. <laughs> <laughs> and the man beside me, him shift and him turn. <laughs> him uncomfortable. And then, then he gave me his kerchief. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I think you need this. <laughs> and me take a kerchief. <laughs> and when we when we're done, 
he said, can I, tell, can I say something to you? And I said, yes. He said, I envy you. And I wow. said, why? He said, I wish I could do what you just did. Wow. And he knew your work on the so, movie. Yeah, man, and then we had this amazingly beautiful and vulnerable conversation. Because he just talked about carrying things and feeling the need that as a man, you have to. And being raised in a home where he wasn't allowed to express. And yeah. now struggling in his life as an adult male, getting older, with expressing and being authentic in his feelings. And let it's me tell you, it's one of those conversations with a stranger that I've caught as a gift. And when we were leaving, because by the time we fly down, you know, we are in a party. <laughs> right, right. And your brethren, you know. And when we were leaving, he said to me, I want to say thank you. Because he said, not only did you just do that open expression of who you are, but he said, you're obviously, I was meant to sit beside you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because I mm-hmm. carried this heaviness on the plane with me that I've been carrying for a while. And he said, it's not there now. And he said, you haven't magically given me all the answers, but this conversation with you, I know has changed my life. Yeah, you unlocked up. And I just thought, there are no accidents. No accidents. And yeah. wonderful things happen on planes. Yes. And just randomly in life. Yes. <laughs> we have to really be open to receiving it. Indeed. Well, I wanted to know, where, where in Jamaica were you raised? Well, so I was born in England. Mm. And my parents came back to Jamaica when I was seven. Okay, and so I was in Kingston. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Kingston. Kingston, Jamaica. <laughs> and, and would you say that your parents um had strong constructs of masculinity that you had to abide by or what was your I think they, like? they did they did i'm gonna say yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like yes <laughs> you're um, gonna say yes and yeah. i think I, I i struggled with them to a point mm. and then was just me because even they said so what are you doing so and so and so we just do it anyway or do it right. a little quieter <laughs> Right, you just decided it was going to happen. Yeah, and then, and, then, and then when I got older, it was just like, okay, this is who I am. This is how I'm expressing, so, you know, deal with yeah. it. So there's a point in my life where I did not get along with my father at all. In fact, I just kind of shut down. Because my father was the type of man where if you did not agree with him, you were clearly an idiot, and he would tell you that. Yeah. So my solution was, everything he asked me or said to me, my response was, I don't know. Ah. And then after months, he said, no, you, don't, you never know anything yet. And I'm like, well, daddy, what's the point of knowing or having an opinion? Because if it differs from yours, you're going to tell me I'm an idiot. I mean, I'm happy to say, no, me and my dad are good. But it took years of us working our, through our issues. And then of me, of pushing through and accepting the little olive branches he was able to. Because sometimes we want to remake our parents or remake people into who we want them to be. But yeah, we can only be who they actually are. Right, and we forget that they're also going through a journey themselves. There you go. And when they make a little progress, love them up and embrace them. So me and my dad are good now. And a lot of boys express to me when I work with them as a mentor or just as a you know like a father figure, either a lament about not having their father present or the difficulty of working through issues with their fathers, but also their mothers. Here's the thing that we don't talk about a lot, Mario. Not the role of, of women in masculinity? Can they play a huge role in it? Let me tell you something. It is alarming and disturbing the amount of rage, anger, and aggression that boys have towards their mothers. Yeah. Matra, because of the things that are said to them, mm-hmm. when they're treated, the emasculation, mm-hmm. even the school system. And so as, as somebody who works in the school system as well, I see it. A lot of the female teachers, the way they speak to the boys is, ah! immediately, no matter what the boy's doing, 
Right. That's the tone. And don't, and don't let me grant, I get it. The school system, that's a whole other show. It is a, yeah. it's, it's, it's a mess. But the yeah. boys, if every other or 95% of the female teachers that you engage are speaking to you like that, then you start no to matter, feel that's how. There mm. you go. And then when you hear some of the things that, uh, even when you look around the street, and I believe a lot of our men carry this rage with them into adulthood. And we're seeing it in these really toxic and deadly relationships all well, around I'm, us. I'm going to add to what you said on the negative end that I work in the government system at Children's Hospital. And, and it's interesting how naturally a lot of the women propagate the hypermasculinity. Mm-hmm. And even when the kids can barely even speak or walk, they are creating these constructs around the penis and yes. the foreskin and, and also and a little something you know, like yes. around sexuality. And I'm like, these yes. kids don't even have the, the brain space to even yes. conceptualize sex and sexuality, but we're already, already. <laughs> preparing them. The script, yes. We're already creating a script Because here's, I believe, one of, the, one of the biggest issues Jamaica has. If we, have, if we have a top five things of issues, parenting is number two. Okay. Parent, education, parenting, <laughs> religion. Crime, crime, crime. corruption, religion. Corruption. Yeah. Right, parenting is a major, major issue. Yeah. Because when you hear, when the high schools I've taught, you know, when I've dealt with an educational system, mm-hmm. many times when you meet the parents or the guardians, you kind of go, oh. Okay, this makes sense. You no. understand the child. Right, and you can't blame the child. Or sometimes the version of the child that I know, the parents do not know. Right. Uh, some right. kids act out so when they come at school. Some kids can't match hands at home, you know. Uh, you, especially some boys, but you see when they come at school, them let and up. I feel, <laughs> and I feel that, and there's there is the flip side to where I feel school is also a positive place for them to express. Many students. It is a positive right. and sometimes safer space. Especially spaces like Arden that have such wonderful yes, and yes. talented kids. Yeah. A lot of school. A lot of Arden, but I forbid them up. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Like, I, yeah, Arden is a, and I said that recently that Arden is a, is one of those schools that I think the study should be done. I think one of the major things is that to, to see how Arden has impacted the performing arts landscape in this country. Right. And also, Arden, I think, should be the first experiment of a performing arts high school in Jamaica. I, I think I, I think they're the only high school who are already have the infrastructure for that to, to, to happen. To kind of be to say, right, make right, do right. an experiment for a year right. of having an, a, a, a performing arts high school, high school curriculum. But they have the space that supports They do. It. They have the, the, the drama room, the dance room, the da da da. da. Um, and Before interestingly, you... how this ties to masculinity. Mm-hmm. I taught at Ade right. for over a year. And I have to say, there was a different kind of masculinity at Arden. Right. There was a, there was lots more spaces and allowances for difference. I am going and to. Diversity. I wanted to finish. Yeah, I wanted to finish that statement because my next question is going to be: If you think that that is because it's a co-ed school? No, I don't think it's just because it's a co-ed school. Because in other co-ed schools that I've been to, it's not. It's, it's different. I think it's okay. I think it's the culture of the school. I think it is the fact that they have forty five co curricular clubs, <laughs> so right. the kids so get different expressions and with a lot people of find things that that they, where they they can feel complete, where they can express themselves. I think the students show up differently for their for friends and the way they they love and and hold on to each other. And I think the pockets of 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 nurturing and mentorship that was there, especially when I was there and that preceded me 
has made a big difference. It's something that's in the culture of the school that I really hope they hold on to for as long as the school exists because it's, it yeah. makes a major difference. And props to those who created a culture, maintained Very the culture, so. and, and, and also having the insight to bring new people into that culture yes. and they fit and they fit. And don't get me wrong, you know, it's not perfect because no it's is not perfect. perfect. Never, never but there's perfect. something, and I, I, I even said it to the principal when I was there. I said to her, there is a grace in this school that sometimes I don't even think you as a principal or the, or the board or the staff understand. There's magic happening here that we sometimes overlook. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, I, but I would want to add to that. I think that, I mean, I went to Campion, which is a different energy, but co-educational institutions really do have an effect on the expression of masculinity. Yes, oh yes. And, and that's because having girls around you from first form to sixth form, that's a whole seven years of teenage life yes. around girls really changes how you treat women, how you and, perceive women, because you really are experiencing them real time. And let me tell you something, Mario, as you <laughs> mentioned that, that's really powerful. The, the resentment that a lot of boys who are in all-boys schools have about being in an all-boys school mm-hmm. is palpable. Wow. They, but some of them like it. But some of them, but, but a lot of them don't. Of resentment? But, but, but the thing is, some of them, you know, it, and you know the other, the flip side is the distraction. Because, right, you know, right, right. when right, the hormones no, kick and, in, and the, no, but no. a lot of the boys resent being in an all-boys school because they have done the girl around for look pan and da, 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 da. so there's an angst and anger for some of them about being in an all-boys school and what that it's means. It's funny. It, it literally goes both ways because yes. I think having the girls present are a distraction and I think it can um, allow you to enter into physical and sexual and intimate yes. spaces earlier because yes. it's there. But it also but is also a good having them around, yeah, it kind it's of a lesson. It's a life lesson, things. yes. You don't end up feeling so um desperate to seek it out because you have it <laughs> yes and then also like when you if you, if you if you go into a tertiary space or work you've yeah, had seven years of dealing with of with spaces with female women. energy and with women it's yeah. true yeah it's and true it, help. it, it helps it's very true it yeah i wanted to speak a bit about um we were hitting a lot of the negative things that um masculinity <laughs> toxic masculinity can cause um yeah. murdering partners um, just how we express the violence, the aggression. I wanted to touch on sexuality, and um, because a lot of Caribbean black men tend to women worry about them being on the down low. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to see how I can coin this well, but long and short, what I'm really trying to say is, if men have same-sex attractions that exist within them, mm-hmm. living in a space that is <laughs> not allowing them to express it mm-hmm. do you feel a lot of men make decisions that they really don't want to make um getting married having children that they don't really need to have how you feel about that expression of masculinity to protect themselves again like a mask it's, it's more of the mask yeah but in a in a more tangible way it's it's so i have two extreme responses <laughs> one is anger and annoyance and the other is it's heartbreaking it's and I have another response. I'm going to add to that. It's heartbreaking <laughs> because so, anger and, and annoyance, so, and, 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 and it's, it's anger and annoyance at, at the you know I guess as as we say the system the, the the culture that 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 creates the need for that kind of duplicity and dishonesty. Right. And when I was younger, it would be it was anger and annoyance at you know these weak 
men who need to do this. Now that yeah. I'm older and I understand people's lives and experiences are different and how they see themselves and what they see as possible is different. It's also heartbreaking because, you know, you're living a lie. You're living somebody else's script. But you yeah. also now are entangling somebody else's life in your lie. Somebody who is hopefully loves you and is committed to you and is committed and to this version of you that you present. Right, and who may not know about the other version? At all, sometimes. At, don't at have all, a clue. Um, and so it's sad, that saddens me because there's, I, I, it is almost... I, I've been lost for words to comfort or console someone who has found out that these how many years I've invested or how many have been together when I've loved you and thought this is who you are. And I now find out that you had this whole other life or lives. What does that mean? Who am I? Well, well yes, it's it, it's really it's heartbreaking when someone is confronted do, with that. I don't think you could have expressed that any better, and I do share your sentiment in that. I dislike hypocrisy and lies. Yeah. So so that part saddens me, and when it leads to entangling the life of of someone else, else. who who is unaware, yeah. it's unfair to them, and it's not um. It's just not cool. <laughs> but yeah. but um, me being the Libra I am, I'm going to speak on a spectrum. I do understand as well that um, if you believe, me and Karen Carpenter spoke about sexual fluidity. Yeah. If you believe in fluidity, then it's not black or white. So there may be some people who fall very close to that middle line who may have some attraction in one end. Yes. But they also oh, have some attraction on another end. Definitely. And they can make a choice that they that right. they want to and and, and and I think that supports the other party answer where you're like, it's yes. everybody's own life. They can do what they want. Right. To. I just hope people are transparent and honest yeah. when they make those decisions, you know? And I know everybody people, know I know people have done that. I had I there's somebody who I know really, really well who he decided that he was not gonna explore the same sex part of his identity. And he's right, happily married, he's happily married, a, with a, three a kids, but he's right. not denying what he feels, but he decided. Right, right, and right. he also said that, so I asked him, I said, why? He said, to be honest with you, I believe that if I pursue it, it will consume me. Okay, right. And those that were his it. words. Right, right. But then right, the right. other, and I say to people, the other thing, and I think I was probably first exposed to this in New York, when I lived in New York, but I've, I, I've seen and experienced it in Jamaica as well, where people make really evolved and nuanced decisions about I was going to say it's 2020 when no, they I know mean, who they're dating. Yeah, man. So people, different, date, people I know you're bisexual, I know you're pansexual, or we're having an open relationship. So I say to people, I said, you know, take a risk if you can trust the person, if you really are committed to them, and you want to actively live the, the, the full parts of your identity, be real. If the person said no, then they weren't for you. I know several people who are in relationships or marriages where one partner is bisexual and they know and there's an understanding and they have norms and rules and structure around it. So even that around men being able to navigate the space around whether it is a you know a non-binary or non-cis expression of their identity, you know, whether yeah. they're on a spectrum, you know, are you the breadwinner? Are you making the most money in the family? That kind of thing. A lot of men still struggle with that around 
am I really a man if I'm not hitting these particular marks? Right, there are these check boxes that yes. they like if they're not hitting it. Yes. But I like what you said again too. It's 2020, and not that these things never existed for years, but I feel like with social media, TV, and just our avenues for expression, yes, the conversations are more open, and I think people do have more structured Definitely. relationships with rules. But and I think at the end of the day, it still comes back down to the basic things, which is communication, respect. Yes. You know, and, and at the end of the day, once you're obeyed, and, and really commitment, as you said, because at the end of the day, you choose, you know, you can just choose. There you go. <laughs> Most Recently, people are committed, choose to be with this friend, their best friend, whoever their best you. friend is. Thank you. That's, that you choose and you stay. Yep. And you make it work. Recently, Mario, a young man in, in a mentorship program that I'm, that I'm leading um, for British Council, he asked, sir, what does it mean to be a real man? And this comes mm-hmm. up. Because I asked him to write down issues and I mentored Calabar as well and some of the boys, you know, being a real man or being a successful man. And I always bring the conversation back to, but are you a good man? And what is that? Right. Is, are is, you honest? Is masculinity and being a... Okay, you're answering Thank the question right now. I said, I said, is masculinity is, and being a man the same thing? Right. So I said, it's about honesty and integrity and loyalty and true. So are you true to yourself? Are you honest with yourself? Do you do good? Are you kind to people? Are you honest? I said, for me, that's more important. I said, that, that's, that, that's, for me, that is realness. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, oh, I'm making X amount of money and I drive in a big car. I'm, I have enough girl in a bungle. And, you know, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's interesting because most of them tell you what, what's coming at them is these check boxes of, you know, Wally Pagal and no girl can chat to you and, you, you mm. get you get several youth and I said to them, get them from where the shop. <laughs> Price mountains. As, as opposed to you get know engaging an act with somebody, girl child, and bring forth a life. You get a youth, but there's there's this detachment. But then the other side of it, Mario, that I see all the time is the young men who are pining and sometimes crying because they're being denied access to their children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the mothers get listened to in court. And sometimes the mother vex and say, oh, I'm going to use the child as a weapon again to cut off. Mm-hmm. But we don't tell those men's stories. We don't tell the young right, men's stories right. who are weeping because they want to see their children. They want to and part their life, but they're being denied. And those children get a, a different story growing up as well, too. And, and that's something the young men tell us when they hear some of the things that the mothers and the family say about their father. Yeah. Or the child who, who does us, you go visit, you're sent to spy, see what in the house, or over there. So the child yeah, feels so guilty it's... because right. they sent like a spy. Who was over there? What them have? What must say about me? And I'm like, the... adults, grown folks, don't do that. Don't do yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The story of that man who may not be um, in the majority, but it is hardly told that you know, hardly, there are so many hardly who, told. who want to be good fathers or want to be present, but mm-hmm. they're not allowed to be for various reasons. And the other thing I tell the people all the time, you know, Mario, is not to make excuses for the men. There are some fathers who should be absent. Yeah, right? Because they're a negative, in fact, toxic influence. Because if your child is going to be seeing you beating and thumping your wife or girlfriend every night, you should not be present. Right. Or if you're right. going to be abusing the child or it. So some men are just their sperm donors. Right. But they I mean, when you right. go back, you know, we have a lot of broken men. And we're yeah. raising a lot of broken, damaged people who are sometimes they re- they feel that they're broken, but they don't know how to fix it. Or the brokenness becomes their norm and almost like a crutch. Well, this brings me to my last my last question for you, Faber, and that is especially as a mentor. 
how do you think as a nation or even on a one-on-one basis how can we help our men transform into being less broken more adjusted where do we start well mario we need we need a lot more access to spaces of safety yeah where people can from whatever spectrum of help they need so i'm saying in, in, you know in, in schools in church whatever non-judgmental spaces of play therapy art therapy um journaling um a conversation to to you know trained experts and that's something that is woefully lacking in jamaica your average person even middle class people can't afford therapy what it costs and that's just to get to the root of the problem thank you and a system thank you what about a whole cultural overhaul? That is the like uh, thank you. That's what we need. And, and one thing, and, and we feel bad for burden. We saw all this right now with COVID nineteen, but it's mm. something that we need. We need some national interventions. Yeah. You remember back in the day, and I keep saying to people the fact that even now remember the things. Breast is best. Two is better than too many. There are these right. national campaigns that are etched in our consciousness. We need yeah. some more of those to look but at geared. Things, geared at specifically, you know, um, toxic masculinity, healthier gender relationships, domestic mm-hmm. violence, and mental health. We yeah. need some some national interventions that do a kind of cultural shift. Like I love the way that you know we we said social and physical distancing. No mean to some people. Tana your yard, right? Jamaicanize right. it. Take the concept and Jamaicanize it. And make it relevant to the space. And whether it's funding, you know, who can do it for free contributions, we need we need to create these spaces and access to people and individuals and programs that can start to help with this. The schools need it. I mean, one of the challenges, and I'm just going to first big up all the caregivers in schools, guidance councils and stuff, but sadly, there's such a lack of trust because the problem of confidentiality. So kids tell you as soon as they leave the office. Other staff know yeah, what they talk goes, to them. Or, to the staff or room, yeah. the parents, the parent, the parent or guardian who the child tell you is abusing them, is then your call to tell that the child says so. Because right. you don't believe the child. We're not we're not believing the children. Your mother would never do that. Your father would never do that. And so, especially if they're boys, the boys are even less likely to believe and they're also less likely to disclose. Because right. I'm supposed to be a man, I'm supposed to be strong. So it's it's that healthcare, that care seeking behavior that we need to get into inculcating our boys that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say to somebody, I feel scared, I feel nervous, I feel sad. So we need some major cultural shifts and then some psychosocial access to broaden that. You know, and as but, you say, we need big more spaces, and and I mean, we have to shift the culture of mental health in which we're doing, yes. but in a in a in a larger way, yeah. that, and so what, people can feel like, oh, I don't feel well. Let me yes. go talk. And what we can do now immediately, Mario, is in mm-hmm. our own spaces and spheres of influence, being a little more patient, um, mm-hmm. having different kinds of conversations with young boys and young men. Um, referring them for help, but be, but be in our walk, in our individual walks, being someone who's not re-traumatizing people, yeah. but is, is shining a little light, a little kindness, and, and 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 helping. And the reality is, you know, when you do that, you know, you may draw more people, and some people say we can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh boy. 
Wow, Fabian, um, it really is always a pleasure talking to you because you're a man with such a breadth and scope of exposures and information and just a really beautiful perspective on life and how you look at the world. I would say you're an empath, you're a humanitarian, you're a bag of other things. Thank well. you, thank you. Um, thank you for, for being on the show. And before we, we end, please tell people how they can find you. That's if you want them to find you. Oh, yes, and blessings to you tomorrow. I'm so proud of you. Thank I'm you. so proud of you because one thing I always say, you were always very clear in your authentic truth of, I am a doctor, but I'm also an artist. Right. And so, yes, I'm going to sing. I'm going to put on two. I'm going to do an album because that's what I want. That's what I'm led to do. And then now you have the talk show and uh, blessings because things may come to you because you're standing in your truth and you're, and, you're, and you're taking your risk and doing your thing. So people can reach me. I'm on, so I'm on IG. Um, as Fabian.m.thomas. That's my life coaching um, page. And I also have Fabian.m.thomas on Facebook as well, life coach, motivational speaker. Um, they can also find me on Tribes and Cofa, it's my performing arts group. Tribes um, and Cofa, yeah, that's T R I B E. Right, S-A-N-K-O-F-A on IG and on YouTube and Facebook. And then I right. just started a new show, Mario, which you're going to be a guest on. You're on my list called Yay. Fabian Say. I have a YouTube show called Fabian Say. And right. it's, a, it's a bag of things of, you know, that in my head that come out of my mouth. <laughs> to the description <laughs> of the show. Um, right. And I'm really excited about that. And that's, that's on YouTube. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. And um, in terms of life coaching, what kind of problems can people reach out to you for? Anything at all? And what I do is I do I do uh, I do an, an initial um, assessment. Meeting, assessment, and then if it's something mm-hmm. that's not in my purview, I I refer to people. Right, but you're open to hearing what the issue yeah, man, is. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I I dealt with from mental health issues, you know, violence, aggression, couples therapy, um, coaching students on concentration and being more creative. A range mm-hmm. of things. I get, I, as you said, as varied as I am, that's some of the issues I dealt with. No, exactly. But I believe exactly. in being real and transparent. If this is not in my area of expertise where I can help you, I'm going to pass you on to a colleague of mine. And sometimes I do research to get people to the right person because I think that's important. It's not about, oh, you're come to me because I'm the be on end of rubbish. No, it's about the right <laughs> Sometimes people. I'm a conduit to help you get to the, the, the help that you need. Oh, tell me, I know all about it. Yeah. <laughs> Fabian, thank you so much for being on time. Oh, true. my pleasure. Blessings. It Blessings, was a great Mario. conversation. And um, have a wonderful day. And we will talk. Same to you. Blessings. You guys just listened to episode number 35 with Fabian Thomas. Such a really cool conversation with a cool cat. And I mean, someone who you can tell. You can really, truly tell that he is truly comfortable with where he is as a man. And I, I couldn't think of anybody better to have to have that conversation with and to the men who do not feel or who maybe don't even know that they're not doing things in a positive light i really hope you can hear this podcast and that the perspectives will help you to approach many of your situations differently and to the men who think that they're doing a great job of being men i pray for you to continue to do that and to evolve into even better men if that's possible 
Before we take it out, before we cut out today, let me just read a review. We have one that is titled Truth Make for Talk. I really enjoy the openness that we get from the guests on a weekly basis, as well as Mario's spontaneity as the host. Yes, there are prepared questions, but what makes this show relatable and digestible is Mario's active listening. I really do feel like I'm listening to a real conversation unfold, as opposed to a scripted rush to get through questions. Real people attacking the topic from real angles and being truthful, even if it makes them vulnerable. Keep giving us great content. We love it. We got that review a couple days ago on Apple Podcasts and it came from I Am Virch. Um, thank you so much for listening. I always give thanks. Um, you also did a post on social media, which we saw and reposted. Trust me, I appreciate it. Guys, I tend to not like to go into the statistics of the podcast, but you know, they really vary from week to week, depending on what's going on. We had up to a hundred and something subscribers, but um, sometimes subscriber counts are not accurate. So they dip back down. So right now I'm seeing 72 subscribers and I find that really hard to believe, given that I know that over 300 people are taking in this podcast. So if you haven't subscribed, please do and um i'm just gonna stop talking right now and do my outro which basically is telling you to show some love by subscribing rating and reviewing this podcast in itunes follow us on social media facebook twitter um on instagram we're at talk.truthja and follow me as well on instagram at mario evan the hashtag is talktruthja or talk truth with me which is tt little w capital m e t t m e and of course the episodes can be found at our website talktruthja.com or email talktruthja at gmail.com and in the show notes you can find a form if you want to be a guest <laughs> that's all the information i'm going to give you guys thank you for your support always and again follow subscribe comment review just show the love trust me i don't want to know that i don't want to feel like i'm out here talking to myself even though i know i'm not Blessed love, guys. Stay safe. Until next time, big up.